The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi, welcome. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. And in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living, dynamic landscape of work through visual devices, through visual systems. How to install the language of our current level of operational excellence, even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or as we know we will be at some distant point as we move along, as we grow in our understanding. We make that level, our current level, concrete and specific through visual devices. Visuality is about structure. It is about physical structure. It is about mechanisms and devices. I like to say, very bad English, if it ain't physical, it ain't visual. These are devices. These are not concepts. These, they are concepts turned into devices. So we can literally see how we think and predict how that thinking, prescribe how that thinking will function because we've captured it. And why do we bother? We bother for the splendid bottom line benefits, 15 to 30% increase in productivity when you implement operator-led visuality, improve safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time, shrinking costs. And when you implement visuality for supervisors and managers and then for executives as well and field staff and for your whole supply chain, you have an enterprise that speaks with all of the associated benefits that are both cultural And that is the second reason we do it, for the splendid cultural alignment, but also the financial benefit of a workplace that is so closely aligned through these visual devices. And the culture is spirited and engaged. That is one of the outcomes that is designed into at least our methodology of creating the visual workplace. And you know what else? We enjoy ourselves at work. We enjoy ourselves at work and we go to work to grow, to become more complete people, to become more complete contributors. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I've been doing this work since 1983 and it is, in a manner of speaking, the love of my life. I really love my work because it has taught me so much and it also creates such benefit for the people with whom we share this wonderful paradigm of thinking and transformation. Let me make just a couple of announcements. I think you know uh, we're probably going to do a training of trainers in January or in February, I'm hoping so. We will have a repeat on December the 9th at noon, Tuesday, December the 9th, of the visual workplace case study that we did two days ago on Tuesday. It was an online, it's free, visual case study of an assembly Um, organization, uh, Trailer Assembly Association, uh, I beg your pardon, (laughs) Trailer Assembly Organization in the Netherlands, Royal Notabom Trailers, and it's really an outstanding case study. We're going to do it again by popular demand. Uh, Some folks weren't able to make it. We had a couple of hundred people there, and there were others who were not able to make it, and they've asked us to schedule it, and we will. 
happy to do that. It is really uh, so interesting to see the results. I won't be teaching methodology. There's not enough time, but I will show you the results of methodology. I will show you why I say again and again, workplace visuality is a system of thinking, not of devices. The thinking is what gets you the device. Also, I think I told you I'm going to be spending the end of March and most of April in Australia and New Zealand doing a whole series of seminars sponsored by SIRF, Jeff Naylor, and the SURF team. And I will be in London in early December to do some on-site work. So, we are happy to come to your site. We're happy to come to your region. We will do public seminars. We'll do on-site seminars. We do on-site assessments. We do full visual conversions. We Yes, we work with trained affiliates. If our crew isn't available, their crew will be. And uh, we hope you're in touch. Our, our website is visualworkplace.com. And you can get us through either radio at visualworkplace.com or simply support at visualworkplace.com. That's also a good way to reach me. They will um, guide it, guide whatever your emails are for me to me. It'll take probably an extra day. So please be in touch. And please check out our website, visualworkplace.com, for the free podcasts that are searchable, beautiful format for all of our my newsletter articles, which are searchable, beautiful format to purchase our online systems, to purchase our books, to avail yourself of our free video gallery with lots of clips about visuality that will either get you started or keep you going. Please visit us at visualworkplace.com. Please be in touch. We like what we're doing and we think you'll like it too. So today, today we continue our march through the 25 leadership tasks that I consider core before you implement and as you implement to prepare you for the outcomes that you want and also to support you so that they are sustainable outcomes. You build them in as sustainable from the get-go. And you may find that the tasks that I'm describing are relevant to any and all improvement initiatives. In my opinion, they are. But in our discussion, I'm focusing on a visual confer conversion. And part of the tasks are specifically for visuality. You'll be able to name them. Not so far. And over the last two shows, we've done the seven management tasks, putting big picture items in place, expected outcomes, accountability team, your vision place, cracking the code on time, production time versus improvement time. You need to have a policy on that. Otherwise, improvement time will always be the casualty. We also talked about deciding where to begin and how to use the laminated map and about getting supervisors on board and managers aligned with what to expect and maintenance, okay? These are executive level tasks that we just examined in the two previous shows. Today, we're going to look at the, and I should say they're before tasks for senior managers. Now we're going to look at before tasks for your training team and also for your supervisors. We will look at these tasks. They are more ordinary in a way, more humdrum. They're what I call the chop wood and carry water tasks. Are you familiar with that Zen saying? Zen Buddhists have a saying. It goes, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. <laughs> It's good. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's got a lot of stuff in there. A lot of stuff. So, several of the tasks that we're going to be covering today are directly related to what I call operator-led visuality work that makes sense. That's my book, big yellow book that maps out how to do it, what it looks like, why to do it. It's a really great book work that makes sense. These are important tasks that I'm going to be talking about. Some of them are more universal, as I said, 
But the important thing is to consider them and, in my opinion, don't skip them. Because in my experience, if you do skip them, the likelihood of failure looms very large. So I, in our announcement, I said we're going to cover six today. Actually, I'm going to try to squeeze in a seventh. And I'm just going to name them for you now. One is define the new role for supervisors. Two is create a form for maintenance that is specifically for your improvement initiative. Three is decide on a border protocol. You know, we, in my work, we lay down borders. We don't lay down lines. And we need a protocol. I'll explain that in a moment. Four is develop a color code system for borders. You do that before you launch. You develop a border protocol before you launch. Okay, we'll go down the list. Number five, create ways to keep visual workplace supplies handy. Number six, set up a comm center or communication center. And there'll be something in your free box. I think Derek put it in right now about 10 minutes ago, that will show you some examples of communication cubes, which I favor. And number seven, give your operators a bag of money. (laughs) How's that for being provocative? Give your operators a bag of money. Why not? So let's move through these seven tasks with some speed. Okay. So in the tasks for executives, let's go now to Discuss and define a new role for supervisors with your supervisors. When we did, and this is a trainer, supervisor, coordinator task. This is the people who are in charge of doing it are going to be taking this on. We had talked about defining a role for supervisors when we did the executive tasks because the executives need to say, Supervisors, we need you on board, and it's going to be a little bit different because we are supporting, and this is for operator-led visuality, we are supporting operators in a new way. We want them to become part of the thinking team of our plant. You have a new role to play. Your role in production is the same, but your role in terms of this improvement initiative is a little bit different. And so... Your executives get supervisors and maintenance acquainted with this, but it's at, it is your trainers and your visual workplace coordinator, your accountability team, that then gives the supervisors the detail. And this is what we say to supervisors. And this is by the coordinator or a member of your accountability tra- team. It could easily be one of your master trainers. Perfect. Site supervisors, we're going to launch workplace visuality operator-led. And that means we're going to develop a new role for operators. We're going to use visuality to help them find the power in empowerment and become the power in empowerment. And so that means that in a way, the supervisors, you have to step back a little bit. We want you to learn the concepts of work that makes sense, the principles and the methods. We want you to attend the training sessions. But during those training sessions and during any kind of shop floor activity, blitz, rapid improvement event, or just time to work on your projects, during time related to the training, we're going to ask you not to supervise. We're going to ask you not to direct operators. We're going to ask you to let that change be eye-driven, which means the operators are pulled into visuality by their own need to know. Because visuality is about information deficits, operators are going to be trained to find their motion, which is the footprint of an information deficit. An information deficit is invisible. It's not there. It's missing answers. The only way we can find it is by tracking our motion. And we're going to train our operators how to, how to become scientists of motion. So the need to remove the struggle from their work is what motivates the operators or their curiosity 
or their desire to invent solutions. So we're going to ask you not to supervise, not to direct. And you know what? We'll pick this up as soon as we get through our first break. I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and you're in the second segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we are going to see if we can cover seven tasks. We may run out of time, in which case we'll pick it up in our next show after the holiday, after Thanksgiving, we are going through seven tasks that are related to getting ready to launch, and it's what your accountability team will take over, your trainers, your, super, your supervisors, your coordinator. But the first item is about the supervisors themselves, in which we say, we told you we're going to be doing a new way with this operator-led visuality, and let me describe it. what's new about it, because it's going to be asking you supervisors to conduct yourself in a new way during the training and with any activity related to training. You'll learn what the operators learn. You'll sit in with them, but you'll sit in the back of the room. This is the way we prefer to do it. Sit in the back of the room, and your PDAs have to be, have to be turned off, no computer work, you're going to be attending, you're going to be interacting with the exercises, but with other supervisors, you're going to be trained. So during that time, we would like you to not sit at the table with your operators because it immediately creates a power imbalance since you're their supervisor, the authority figure, and you've been basically supervising them since they arrived in the company. We want to take that dynamic out and see what happens when there's no one telling operators what to do, how to do it, and if they're doing it right, wrong, or indifferent. We want to leave them alone. We have great confidence in the eye, in the, eye, in the power of thought, in the power of the individual, in the power that is, if you will, within we have great confidence in it, and we want to start cultivating it so that we can get what's on the inside, outside, in order to help the company, in, and also in order to help the person and our work culture. So it's a prescribed role. You sit at your, your benches in the back, your tables in the back, and if you interact, we have a few little rules, which is, First of all, you leave your coffee cup on your table. No one is allowed to walk around with a coffee cup in their hand or anything else, a bottle of Coke or Pepsi. And when you approach a table, in case you want to just listen in, we're going to ask you to not make eye contact. You can say hello, but then you don't make eye contact. You listen with your ears only. You stare at a spot on the ground or on the table and you just listen. Because eye contact will draw attention to 
the authority figure. It just is the way that we're built societally. When you approach the table, do not stand, not, do not be on an elevated level. Pull up a chair on the outside without inconveniencing or disturbing anyone. Just pull up a chair or you can go down on a knee, but you can't stand over the table. You have that rule as well. These are all just small things, but it helps to send the message that the supervisor is not supervising. We also, when we come to your area to do special activities, hands-on activities, we want you to participate. We want you to go shoulder to shoulder and work with an operator or work with me as the trainer on a project. Again, we don't. We, we are asking you not to walk around with a coffee cup in your hand. We want to level the playing field and make the change owned by everyone who is in the area. No observers. We would like you also to find a way to release improvement time for your operators. We know it won't be easy at first, but we'll work with you on it. And if you remember, listeners, that we asked the executive to construct an improvement time policy, and you'll find an improvement time packet in your free members box for you to study and contemplate. And I write about this in all of my operator books. And there are also, if you search on time, you will find probably four or five shows, podcasts on time, and how to create this improvement time policy and why. When we do conduct the blitz, we also say to the supervisors, please be aware that you are going to be conducting these blitzes after a while. After I've done, if this is a trainer speaking, two or three of them, I'm sorry, after I've done three or four of them, not before three, uh, you will conduct them in my stead. I'll be there to help you for the first few and then you'll be on your own and I think very, very comfortable. I will not leave you until you say I'm ready to do this on my own. Okay? I also would want to encourage you to find the missing answers in your own work and develop visual solutions to get rid of those information deficits so that you can become also a contributing visual thinker along with everyone else. And there are other things that we will bring to you later that are your own formats for visual devices. But right now, this is the important role that we're going to ask you to adopt for the operator-led part of our visual journey. And you talk like that. So what you're doing is you're disconnecting the authority from the learning so that the authority or the sense of being the authority figure diminishes so that people can simply focus on their own learning. And when they do, I am sure you are aware, they are focusing on their own power. Okay, so we're trying to redistribute the power quotient in the company and even things out. And so you have this conversation, and this is the first part of the tasks that are done before you launch. Supervisors need to be aware, and you also say to them, look, I'm going to be available before and after every session and during every break. So if something uncomfortable is happening for you, find me. And trainers, it's always a good idea at the beginning for probably your first two to three cycles to have someone else in the room who is an adjunct, an assistant, a co-trainer, a team member, because there's going to be a lot happening. So that's the first task. It's called task seven on the list of 25 to discuss the new role for supervisors with supervisors and be available to them. It's a major, major change. And certainly when you use the laminated map to identify where to begin, which is a task that we talked about last week, This was task number four, develop your laminated map. Choose an area where the supervisor is already on your side. So that supervisor that you're talking to right now is going to be pretty A-OK 
with the change because they themselves want the change. Let's move on to task eight. Task eight, develop the maintenance worksheet. Develop with maintenance a way to submit a work order that they know is from the visual rollout. You can make it a bright color, phosphorescent pink or green or yellow, something that sticks out. And, and it will clearly state, we need this to be done. Would you build this? This is what it looks like. Here are the dimensions. It's going to be a work order. Or would you please move this table? It's bolted in. It's not, gonna, it's not a heavy-duty move, but we don't want to move it ourselves. Would you move it? Or maybe it is even to move, perhaps, a machine or a vent or a conveyor or to build something to help to build a visual device, a mechanical device like that. The negotiations with maintenance usually gives the visual conversion anywhere from 3 to 6% of maintenance's time. It can be as little as 2% or 1%. But in your negotiations, which happened as an executive task, where the plant manager says, maintenance, please get on board with this. This is task seven. We spoke of it last week in the last show. You negotiate and you get something. That is, it might be, we can give you four hours. Not a percentage, but just, we can give you two hours. We can give you one hour. Put the lowest rung at one hour. You're shooting for one hour. Anything above that is a plus at this stage. Because maintenance needs to get used to the idea that improvement, if you don't already have this in place, that improvement is going to take resources from them and that it's worth it. And so you approach them very respectfully, very carefully, and you make sure that time gets used. It might not be used for the first couple of weeks. I should say the first couple of training sessions. But as soon as you get to smart placement, there's going to be a lot of things popping. Smart placement is there where you relocate functions so that it improves the flow and maintenance will be involved. And that's task eight. Turn it into a work order, worksheet, and it can even have a corner at the top that says, as of December 2016, maintenance is giving three hours. This represents 45 minutes. The work on here we estimate as 45 minutes. The work on here we estimate as six hours, so if you could start it this week and finish it next week, that would be great. But keep it rational and keep it very concrete. Turn it into form. If it ain't physical, it ain't visual. So turn it into a work order worksheet, well-designed. Yeah, do that. You may already have something like this in place for your 6S or your 5S. I suspect you do. So those are the first two of the before tasks that we need to put into place through your accountability team, your coordinator, your trainer, your lead team, get your supervisors very well acquainted with their responsibilities during the training and between trainings and get your maintenance on board in a very concrete way. We'll pick up test nine, which is about borders. As soon as we get back, we're going into our second break. I'll be here. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. You're in the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, and we are talking about the before tasks, before you launch tasks for getting ready for workplace visuality. The next two are very specifically for operator-led visuality, and they have to do with borders. Task number nine is decide on your border protocol. Task number 10 is develop your color code system for borders. Let's look at the protocol first. The thing is that borders can be a real adjunct, a real assist for your performance, your operational performance. And while they do not pertain heavily in hospitals and in offices, on the factory floor, including machine-driven companies, they are indispensable. They are indispensable because they show us visibly the pattern of work, because they allow us to see what workspace is available and what is not, because they give us an organization that is immediately visible for newcomers and create a sense of safety and coherency because the borders are as I mentioned a moment ago, a pattern that's immediately recognizable. And you've heard me say this many times. The mind is a pattern-seeking mechanism. So our mind is always seeking coherency. We are always seeking to make sense. And the border allows that to happen. We call the things that are lines on the floor borders and not lines because borders function and they are meant to function. One of the problems with calling uh, the 5S part labels and lines is because we're not talking functionality. We're talking so generically that that's all they become is labels and lines. But we call them, in my work, in work that makes sense, borders and addresses functionality. You may not realize it, And honestly, up until recently, I didn't realize it because I never bothered to count or organize borders in this way. But over the last 35 years, in our work with companies on the operator level, we have been teaching principles and we have been teaching practices and operators have been inventing like crazy. And they have, over those years, invented borders that we have been able to organize into 19 different types of borders. Not 19 borders, but 19 different types or categories of borders. We've named them. We found them. There are 19 different types. Maybe there'll be 25 someday, although 19 is really impressive. Only one of them is a framing border, which is where you put, some, you put a border around something. And the second one, ordinary, ordinary, is an aisle border, which is what we normally see in 5S. But did you know there's double color borders, there's patch borders, comma and shape borders, dash borders, photocopied borders, hatch borders, range of motion borders, directional borders, garden gate very special border, (laughs) nested borders, double function borders, person with borders, slanty borders, stiff foam borders, control borders, barrier borders, and ta-da, ta-da, 
time-based borders, where you can actually build time into your borders. You can build in work sequencing. And I'm not talking about with an address that says one, two, three, four. I mean, the borders themselves can capture content based on time. Fantastic. And I'm so completely delighted with this because all we do is teach principles. And then the operators, in, in your brilliance operators, with your s splendid internal capacity, you create functionality that serves you and serves us because we learn from you. Very exciting. So in this particular item, you know what's coming. You know by using operator-led visuality that your operators are going to invent borders that are just right for you, just right for the local environment. Of course, they'll borrow what has already been made, but they'll also make it their own because it has to function. Operators are very practical. Man, if it's not helping my work, it's hurting my work. Very, very practical. When you develop your border protocol, this is what you are doing in essence. This is part of your preparation and planning. You're doing this before you lay down a single border. You develop a recipe for laying down your borders so they last. And also so that they can be removed easily and quickly. Because if you don't create borders at last, it's discouraging. You always have to maintain them. And, and then you forget about them because they're too much work. That's one half. And the other half is if they're not easy to remove, you feel as though you can't change your mind about the flow. But the flow is always evolving. You're always shrinking flow distance and flow time. And the borders need to be respond responsive. I've said, you've heard me say this as well, you get smarter, your borders get smarter. They have to be responsive to the evolving production system, your operational intelligence. And without this recipe, we will hesitate to lay down borders at all because either we know they won't last or believe we won't, they won't last They'll get all ripped up and messy, so why bother? Or we won't be able to remove them so we can't improve the flow, so why bother? So whether you use paint or tape, no one will want to make borders smarter if your borders cannot be changed quickly and easily and maintained. So you develop a protocol, and there's no way to get around it. You get a hold of your paint supplier, you get a hold of your tape supplier, whoever that is. My latest favorite, I'm going to give you a shout-out, is stoppainting.com. Just take a look. Please tell them Gwendolyn sent you, stoppainting.com. But there are other good ones. These are. This is plastic. There's been a lot of evolution in the plastic but you're going to experiment and you may choose, for example, to use just a, stri a striping machine, which lays down a really lightweight coat of paint that doesn't last very long. But that may be the way that you decide to do your border protocol and you build in because this is very lightweight paint that you can easily remove it if you change your mind and you can easily refresh it and perhaps it becomes part of a maintenance routine to do it once a month, just go around and re refresh the borders. It's okay. No one is, will fault you for it, but you need a protocol and it needs to be done before you train the first person. Don't wait. It'll be borders don't happen in my system until module seven. Am I right? until module eight, until module eight, because you're focusing on smart placement and you're setting some other things up and getting some other thinking going. And then you lay down the visual wear, a very, very good visual wear. So you don't need borders until then, but before you launch, you create your border protocol, your recipe, okay? Tape, paint, doesn't matter. Get a hold of your supplier, have people send samples. Another great group is are the folks at Graphic Products. They have a Pathfinder, uh, a Pathfinder series and a rigid series, two different types of paint. 
I'm sorry, two different types of tape. Get in touch with them, have them send you samples. Get in touch with our friends at Visual Workplace Inc. and ask for samples there. That's also plastic tape. Our friends at 5S Supply. Okay, have them send you samples and experiment and figure out what kind of chemicals you need to clean the floor and how many coats. When you use paint, we say, you know, clean it, clean it good and put down two coats of, we say two coats of latex and seal it, seal it with two, uh, I beg your pardon, let me see if I can get this right. We say two coats of latex, cure it, dry it, dry it, cure it, and then two coats of oil, cure it, dry it. Last for 18 months, heavy forklift traffic. Okay, so figure out the protocol. Hmm? It'll take you a little bit of while, but not a lot of while, and it's totally worth it. The second part, once you have your protocol, then before you launch, develop your color code system for borders. If your company already has a color code system, vet it to make sure. And if you don't like the way it is, then ask for a special dispensation and say, we'd like to experiment with some other colors. We think they'll work better, and it might be because of the nature of your floor that, you know, dark brown doesn't work because it's invisible. Your floor is made of something different. Maybe it's made out of old um, tiles, concrete tiles. Work it out. We have a really, really, really good um, module on developing a color code system on borders. And we are going to, and it is part of the work that makes sense system. And we're going to pull that out and make it available beginning in January for you to use. So you can follow the protocol for developing a, a color code system for borders. We've been doing it this way for years. It's really good. It has a lot of good suggestions. It will take you about two hours. Your maintenance will be involved. And folks who understand the floor really well and what sits on the floor, your supervisors, maybe an engineer, five or six people. You work it out, you pilot it, put it up for remarks, you pilot it. And with, within, I would say, two iterations, you'll have something very powerful, or you will have validated what your senior managers got from corporate. But the other part of that is, remember, oh, there's just so much to say about this. Actually, there's a whole um, podcast on color code system for borders, walking you through the whole methodology so you don't have to wait just go to our podcast page and look under and search on borders it'll come up it'll say developing a color code system for borders but it's important and you need to do it and then when you publish it you publish it so everybody knows what is our color code system we have some really cool pieces to our system that helps you create it based on the percentage of floor that is currently utilized. So keep an eye out for that. We will send, we will send out an alert so that you know when that color code uh, module is uh, ready for you to use. Okay, we're going to move on to our next task. My goodness. We are now on task. Oh, my goodness. We're on task. Am I right? Eleven. So 10 was develop your color code system for borders ahead of time. Task 11 is create visual workplace supply stations. This is pretty easy. This means you get yourself some kind of Rubbermaid cart, something on wheels. You get a list of the supplies that you need and you can have cleaning supplies along with creative supplies on the same cart, or you can separate them into two carts. But our guideline is there is a supply cart in each department. Unless the departments are really small and they're adjacent to each other so it's easy to borrow, you want to have a cart of supplies available to operators so that they can invent solutions at will. 
They don't have to get the key. They don't have to look for you. You might need a key to begin with if there's been a history of shortages and people kind of help themselves to things. But if you put operators in charge of overseeing the consumption, you'll find that to be much reduced. But you, your accountability team, is responsible for creating these supply carts or maybe supply station. Sometimes a company will create a shelf of supplies. You're responsible for doing this and to put everything in beautiful visual order. That means the drawers are addressed. That means the inside of the, each drawer is addressed. We know what it is. There's a table of contents and each drawer has a geography. You've laid it out. You use a system of borders and you might also use, instead of borders, extend the border so that it becomes a wall, you know, so you'll have metal inserts to separate the sections. You use the floor of the drawer as the address, what should go in here and how many. You can use a picture, you can use names, but this card should be in supreme visual order. It should be the nth degree visual because it is your first showcase in the company. Your first showcase, you as a manager, as a member of the accountability team, have complete control over and you can bring to the nth degree and people will understand, oh my gosh, if this can happen on a cart, what can happen in our area? Is this what we're shooting for? That's so exciting. Look how complete it is. Look how intelligent it is, visually intelligent. Wowzer. So you take the opportunity of that cart, make sure it has wheels to do those things. If you have a machine-driven company, then you are going to have a separate cart with your various tools for cleaning and your chemicals and your brushes. And you treat it the same way. You make it highly visual. I love this whole idea of keeping supplies handy. And I love with equal passion the whole idea that it's beautifully presented in terms of the visual paradigm. We are collecting lots of examples of what this looks like. And I'm not ready to uh, say it's waiting in your free box now, but I'm thinking about it. But I will tell you, up to this point, I haven't seen carts that are complete enough for me to say this is it. I have to say this is almost it. Or this is barely it, but it's a beginning. (laughs) Okay. They have to be within reach. Work out this protocol too. Work it out so that it's dignified. It's empowering. It's visual, it's complete, it represents the best of you in service to others. You're helping others in creating great cards. Hmm? So there's lots of ways to think about, think about it. Do not be casual. I'm a little bit grumpy because I have some wonderful visual workplace coordinators and I can't make them do this. I can only coach them to do it better. I'm thinking about you right now and a person whom I've recently had this conversation with. It's really worth it. You get to be an expert at supply carts and inspire others. They'll make their areas look like it. They get it. You've embedded the principles. All right, let me move on. I think I'm going to be done with this today. Good. So number 12, task number 12 of of 25. You have to pre in advance before you launch, create a bulletin board or a communication cube for each work area, for each of your targeted work areas. You have to create a communication cube or a bulletin board. You can experiment with these at first. You can try two or three ways. 
This is again the work of your accountability team. Before you launch, you come up with two or three designs. Don't short circuit this and just land on anything that's handy. Try a board. If you use a bulletin board by gum, you need to put the geography of that board in place and use borders to separate the sections of that bulletin board. And use the marketing Z. This is used in marketing in order to force or follow the movement of the eye. The eye moves top left, then it goes top right, then it cuts across on a diagonal and goes bottom left and then bottom right. It's called the marketing Z. Set up your boards in this way. Have a section for the next training. Have a section for your improvement time, policy and tracking. Have a section for some befores and afters. Have a section for, if you wish, the people who work in the area with their pictures. It can serve a double purpose, but it must be focused on improvement. It needs an address. You need to have an address on it. You might call it a title. Bulletin board, visual workplace bulletin board, work that makes sense bulletin board. And it needs to have an owner, and it needs to have an updated buy. So you may set up the board on December the 2nd and not touch it again, not change anything again for another week. Updated as of December the 9th. Owned by, name the person. Name the person, not supervisor. Name Marianne, Brandon, Patrick. Names. And if it's three shift, then it has to be by shift. So I've given you a kind of mini course just now about setting up a bulletin board. If you set up a cube, which typically has four sides, but can have as many as six if you use Creeform. Then the cube you designate, and I like particularly the cube because it has a small footprint, you can put it on wheels, and by the way, we did put into your members box today um, three or four pictures of three or four cubes you can consider. One of them's on, two of them's on metrics, another one's on uh, kind of bulletin board, it's the green cube from, I beg your pardon, these are on cubes. Cube from Trailmobile from several years ago, but there's also a Creeform board from De- Delphi Deltronicos that will show you a way to get six, seven sides, eight sides from your cube. This will inspire you to try some things out. But I like a cube because one of those sides of the cubes can be a flip chart. You can have paper for listing, for problem solving, for having, having it handy in your area. And you know what? I I haven't shown you an example of this, but our friends down in Australia at Vistaprint, they have this as well as a supply cabinet in the same cube. So they made themselves a a, a little closet, four sides, and all four doors open. So you can use the front surface for your notices and your problem solving and your, your whatevers. And then the inside holds things. Okay, I think two of the doors open, maybe three. Beautiful. Wonderful. So that's your communication cube. You must put this in place ahead of time. And it looks like we're not going to have a break three today. We're just going to go right to the end. So I am almost at the end. I'm on the last piece. Just something you need to prepare ahead of time. It's called Task 13, Bag of Money. You need to get authorization before you train your first person to give each of the targeted areas, each of the work areas that are going through the training, a bag of money. I like to do it this way. $50 in a little brown bag. You say, look, it's $50 in this bag. You can spend it in the way that you think is best to get the kinds of small things that doesn't have to go through requisition or the catalog. And all you need to do is give us the receipts 
in the bag and we'll give you another bag of $50. We'll keep two bags going. You have one bag with money. We have one bag with receipts. You give us more receipts, we'll give you another bag of money. $50. So that people can go out, they can see something that they want. And you know as well as I that operators are much more responsible with money than I am and you are. They spend it carefully. And if they begin to quibble about, oh, no, we can't afford that, keep your ears open and say, you know what? I'm going to see if I can get you another 20 bucks. Or, you know, you guys, you really want this and you're not sure. Some of you aren't sure if it's worth it. But I want you to experiment. I want you to take a risk. And I want you to trust each other. Just try it out. Keep the receipts. If it's really bad, one of you will take it back. If it gets messed up, maybe we can use it somewhere else in the company. And support them with this appearance of a flow of money, a flow of resources that they are simply given to support their improvement creativity, their improvement thinking. You think about that, okay? Some of you who are listening are now actively engaged in implementing work that makes sense. And I'm creating this because of you. I want you to listen to this while you're in your car and think about these things. And think about how they may take a little effort, they may take some planning, they may take a little bit of money, but if you forget about it, if you don't even think about it, you may be missing an opportunity. Maybe you haven't thought about giving a little bit of money, but this is something that we've learned over the years. You give a little bag of money, no big deal. We call it bag of money. It demonstrates trust in such an inexpensive way. And it builds trust in such an inexpensive way. It's really beautiful. So please think about it. And let's go over the list in the last couple of minutes that we have together. So this is what we did today. Task seven was to discuss with supervisors their new role in detail. So they understand how to be in the training room and how to be between training sessions. Task eight, to prepare maintenance, to help out the initiative by giving them a special, by designing with them a special work order in a bright color, something that's distinctive, that is a demonstration of their commitment to continuous improvement, but also an easy way for them to keep track. We're doing this for continuous improvement. Oh, look, we're three orders behind on continuous improvement. In this case, workplace visuality. That was task eight. Task nine and ten were about borders. The first is decide on a protocol so that your borders will last for a year but can be changed overnight. As you get smarter, your borders get smarter. Task ten was develop your color code system for borders, or if you already have one, validate it and maybe expand it. As a rule, we say guideline five to seven colors. But you can do a great deal with five to seven colors. Depends how, how, how you group things. And it really does need to be logical. It needs to be a smart system. That's why I love the idea of validating it and not just adopting it from corporate. I understand what corporate wants, but I think you can negotiate, especially if you become very powerful visually. They're going to listen to you. Task 11 was to make sure that supplies for the visual workplace were handy in each of the targeted areas, in each area that is going through a conversion. They have their own supplies, and you're responsible for putting those supply carts or stations together. Each drawer outside the, 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 the cart Inside each drawer, on the top of the cart, there's going to be some kind of reorder list. There might also be some instructions on how to use or how to reorder. But you make that, that cart speak. can be Rubbermaid. It's usually Rubbermaid. Some form of Rubbermaid with drawers. But one per area. It'll cost you 150 bucks. You're supporting creativity and you're uh, supporting the smart use of time. Okay, that was task 11. Task 12, create a bulletin board, visually smart bulletin board, where the geography is mapped out with borders and addresses, 
following the marketing Z so that the I follows its natural path and you make your boards more effective or a communications cube, four-sided, and look for the sheet that is in your um, free box. And the last is bag of money. So I am certain that we are at our time and that it is time for me to say I had a wonderful time talking with you today. I hope you found it useful. We'll continue the list after the holiday. We're halfway through. I want to wish you a very happy and safe holiday. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off. Let the workplace speak. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.